Welcome to Restore Gospel Podcast. Welcome back. I'm Mike Barrett. I'm Corey Stark. We are happy to be here early this morning at the Cottage Studios in Independence, Missouri. Corey and I have been spending some time this week just uh, texting back and forth on a topic that uh, is of interest to me. I know Corey has found some interest in it as well. It may be something we don't speak of often in the restoration, but something nonetheless that the scriptures are very clear about, and that is being born again. Um, We might say born of the Spirit. We could say being converted, um, being changed in the inner man, uh, having a circumcised heart. There's different things that are mentioned in the scriptures, but all of them kind of point to the same thing, and that is just having a, a change in the inner man where you come to know Christ, and there are certain things in the scriptures, certain um, standards that it the scriptures paint a picture of the man who has come to Christ, has been changed, and is 100% all in. There's a certain pictures that are that are presented on what that looks like. We want to talk about that today. I've spent, uh, Corey, this past week reading a number of uh, materials from the evangelical world. And, um, you know, you know, just like in our church uh, and, and, and pretty much every church at different times, there's a huge uh, division right now in the Protestant evangelical world, Corey. Uh, we've, we've talked a little bit about this off air, but, you know, there's churches out there right now that are leaving the doctrine of Christ more so than, you know, we would say even in the past, and they are just preaching this gospel of man and easy religion. And I've noticed that there's a number of evangelical Protestant ministers in the world who are really standing up for the gospel and what they believe is the gospel. And they're calling out these people and saying, you know, you are damning people to hell. And that's the language they've used because you are leaving out repentance. You're leaving out transformation. You know, you're teaching the sinner's prayer and that's ridiculous. There's no such thing in the Bible. You know, there's no come to Christ, say a prayer and you're saved. And it's interesting to see uh, this movement and with the internet and podcasts and YouTube videos now, there's a number of very good, very doctrinally sound um, ministers out there that are coming up with some things. Well, uh, and, and and I I feel like there's this in the evangelicals, and I'm looking at it from obviously an outsider's opinion, but there's this. It seems the the word they're not saying, but it seems when you hear what they're saying is that there's something missing in what they've been saying for quite a while. And and they're they're searching for that. And that's that's the amazing part of this, is like, no, they're saying, No, we've been saying this. Hey, all you have to do is say this little prayer and and, and you know, come back in this little room and I'll give you a book and now you're saved. Go go have a happy life. You're saved now. And and it's like they're feeling there's something missing. There's something hollow in that. Yeah. Um you know, this kind of started out, I came across a video online that really sparked 
my interest. And you know, Corey, in the restoration, so if I would say, Corey, are you saved? What would you, what would your answer be? How would you respond to that? Well, I'll tell you, historically all my life, I would just be wishing inside you weren't asking me that question (laughs) because I was going to feel like everyone else like, well, I don't know if we made it to celestial glory or not until then. But no, I mean, with, with confidence now, and this is only because I've, because of what I've learned through the Book of Mormon, it's given me the assurance, you know, that if if you've had experiences change a heart and you're desiring and you're you're trying, you know, the Lord counts that as good and He applies His grace, you know, b- based on the change of heart. So historically, no, I, I don't know what I'd say, but now I'm I and I and I like to say it's because of the Book of Mormon. I can say, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm saved. I if 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 God would have his left hand and his right hand out for the reasons he's given in the scripture, I deserve to be on the right side because I've, I've wanted to leave my life of sin. I've wanted to turn to him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's, that's what it comes down to. Just some things floating around in my mind that, that leave questions. Um, and this is when I, I read the material that's out there and I listen to other points of view from the restoration point of view, you know, <clears throat> you would say, are you saved? Um, have you been born again? We believe in enduring to the end that um, maybe we would say the, the theory that once saved, always saved, um, we don't agree with. But even if you get into the material, what people are writing nowadays, it's not really maybe what we think that means is matter as much as a, it's a matter of semantics or when yeah. you really get dive down and see what they're saying behind that, there's something that makes them feel good with their theology that they have to present it that way. But what they actually describe that as meaning is much more enduring to the end. And what they would say is, well, you were, if you don't, you were never saved to begin with, but Mm -hmm. that's another, we'll get into that. But, um, some other things floating around in my mind when it comes to being born again is we can look at people in the scriptures. And and I asked you this week, you know, tell me anything that you remember where, there was one moment in time where there was this huge experience where people just, they just went from um, feeling a certain way to boom, just, you know, had a huge spiritual change in their life. One of those was, well, we know it was Alma. Um, he, he was persecuting the church. Uh, the saints were praying for him. He fell down and he was, uh, basically caught up in the spirit for two or three days and he saw how evil he was. Maybe we can, we can read that because there's certain verbiage in there. I think is important for us to, to take inside and ponder on, uh, who was another one you said was, it wasn't, was it King Lamoni or his, and his wife or I get King Noah, King Lamoni. I know I look, I read all of them this week. Yeah. You know, from the book of Mormon, you know, you get, uh, Alma Younger, and his conversion experience and the very first words that he says when he comes out of this experience is, Hey, brothers and sisters, be of good cheer. I'm changed. I've been born again. And then he says, and don't be surprised that this has to happen to everyone. You know, every, everyone who wants to come to Christ, but you know, and, and, and again, that was all in the day when it was a new concept of even hearing about Christ. Well, so your question about who others, yeah. uh, King Lamoni, you know, again, a, a Lamanite, um, in the prison, in the Book of Mormon, you have this experience where Lamanites are wanting to kill the sons of Helaman, who are named ne- Nephi and Lehi. They're missionaries. They've been in this prison, then all of a sudden, fire comes down, and not only Nephi and Lehi are saved out of that, but all the people in the prison are converted. The, the Lamanites, they say numbered 300. 
their hearts were all changed in that moment. And they go out and they start converting their own people to Christ. You know, these have been the heathen. Jesus even points them out when he comes to the Nephites after the destruction and then his death and resurrection. And he even says, and it's in the third book of Nephi, chapter four, verse 50, he says, hey, whoever comes to me, he said, they're going to be changed. I'm going to change you by my spirit, just like the Lamanites who I changed and they knew it not. You know, he even mentions, he uses that example of how the Lamanites were changed, you know, not the Nephites. Um, others, King Benjamin's preaching to his people uh, and and he's telling them about Christ. And, and the, I, I mentioned that because it's good to keep this in perspective that when they're hearing about Christ, it's like for the first time they're understanding it. And the whole group of people at this, at this feast, you know, they're in their tents and they're listening to King Benjamin give what seems to be his, his farewell speech to them. But he introduces them to Christ and he, and he tells them about how we all have to be changed in this. God's going to come down and he's going to be this sacrifice. And when they hear these words, they all say, oh my gosh, you know, apply this atoning blood of Christ to us. And the spirit comes on them and they're changed. And they say, we have no more disposition to do evil. So, you know, some examples, but, it, but it's happened through time when people come to Christ and they realize they have to change now. They're, also, um, we talked about King Noah and uh, when, uh, oh, who came to King Noah? Was it? What? Well, who's the, I'm sorry, <laughs> no, no, I'm no, show my ignorance because Noah I read so the, many. Right, yeah. Who was the good guy? And, well, Ammon, who comes to, well, Ammon comes into King Noah's okay. kingdom, or, or King Lamoni's kingdom. King Noah was the bad guy over uh, Alma before he has his change, Alma Sr. Okay, so who says, uh, I will give up all of my kingdom? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's so, King Noah, right? That Lamoni. That was King Lamoni. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, world. Now you know that I don't know my scriptures. Uh I'm sorry, my, my brain's on information overload. So King Laboni, for, for good reason, yeah. says he will give up everything to know. Well, he 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 says not just everything. He's he says I'll give away all, all my, my sins. sins. Yeah, all my sins. Okay, so let's just we'll get into that. I, I'm just I'm giving an overview right now. I want to break all of these down and and talk about what that actually means because, like. We've said before, Corey, I read something like that, and then I look at my miserable, wretched self and say, I've known the gospel for 40-some years, and I've probably said that. I don't know if I've ever said that in a minute, but that's just not something that, I mean, to me, that takes a lifetime of work. And maybe it's because we've been presented the gospel, and we're looking backwards, and it's not something new. And if it was, and, and like something just came one day, and I never heard it before, and it's like your life could be completely different tomorrow. And it, it was this wonderful thing, and I was like, yes, yes, I, okay, I'll do anything to hear that. Maybe that's a different perspective. I don't know. But I want to know how we function today, here and now, having all of these scriptures to look back on. So, mm -hmm. And then he went out, and then there was another father that was involved, and he saw the love that this good guy had for his son. And after wanting to kill him, he realized how much he loved him, and then he kind of came on board. But uh, who was the guy whose wife, they both fell down, and they thought that they were under an evil spirit, and they were going to kill him, but they couldn't touch him with the sword. Now, was that King Noah? All right, no. Come on, no, Corey. I no, know King I was, Noah's in this. No. <laughs> <laughs> no. 
No, it was always the bad guy. We aren't going to include King Noah in this. He he never had to change a heart. But he he got swear. Yeah, yeah. Maybe just yeah. the Noah of the Ark. Uh, yeah, know. yeah. No, no. Unfortunately, goes down in history for uh, putting uh, Benedict to death. Why did I keep? I just well, screwed so, those up in my mind and, somehow. And you know, I misspoke too. So we in it's in. Uh, the 13th chapter of Alma, you get the story of... Corey's like my living uh, dictionary over there, so I just throw out whatever it sticks, and he's like, no, the scriptures no, no, no. actually say... Uh, okay, yeah, cool. right, yeah, 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 yeah. So there was this... Uh, oh, there, you have um, you know the story of Ammon and the cutting off the arms, and his... His uh, right. the king there is converted, right? But then, then later they they go into the land, and there's an Ammon and there's an Aaron, okay? And and then Aaron uh, is there, and he's he's dealing with the king, and then he talks to Lamoni, and Lamoni and the queen, right? Uh, Lamoni is the one who says this, um, and this is in the earliest version in the thirteenth chapter of Almoron, verse thirty. 30, no, 52, 53. And, and the king says this to Aaron. He says, when he said these words, the king did bow down before the Lord upon his knees, yea, did prostrate himself upon the earth, cried mightily, saying, Oh God, Aaron hath told me that there is a God. You know, so here he's just opening right up. It's just mm-hmm. about as honest and vulnerable as he can be. And then he says, and if there is a God, and if thou art God, wilt thou make thyself known to me, and I will give away all my sins to know thee, and that I may be raised from the dead and be saved to the last day. Okay. Well, um, I want to play. I want to play a clip here from uh, YouTube. Actually, this is Wretched um, TV, and now I admit. This guy, Corey, Todd, Todd Freel, yeah, yeah, yeah. You told me about him, and I was like, I poo pooed him at first, and but I started listening to the content. Mm-hmm. He can be a little abrasive at first, um, a little sarcastic, but I get what they're trying to do. They're trying to bring sound doctrine into a way that people today will understand it um, without compromising anything. But anyway, just just listen to this, and then let's discuss what uh, what he's actually uh, saying here. And welcome to Wretched. My name is Todd Friel. I am your host. The wretch the song refers to. Sorry, I was a little bit late. You see, right before the program began, I got hit by a semi-truck. Can you believe it? Your answer is no. You show no evidence of being mowed down by a semi-truck. If you were, you'd look a little different. Maybe just... The tie might be just at least a little bit crooked. No evidence. I'm not buying your tail. What does that have to do okay, with Okay, so he says, um, he's making the point, Corey, if you're born again, if you have truly come to Christ, just like we were talking about in the Book of Mormon scriptures, he says, you know, if I told you I got run over by a semi-truck and I'm sitting here in my nice suit and tie and I look fine, you're not going to believe my tail at all. Right. No, no blood, no scuff marks, no ripped clothing. <laughs> Just like being born again, if if you don't have certain things, certain fruits in your life, I'm not buying that you're born again. Now, I think this is very sound, uh, and it goes along with the scriptures. We're going to bring some of these out in the New Testament and also show where the inspired version shows a little different light, and their theories kind of break down at some point. But what do you think about that? No, I right on. And, and that's what, oh, I think 
this whole idea of judgment comes down to that's also kind of left out of the conversation. Uh, and, and I'm, I don't know. It's, there's a problem on both sides. I think of the evangelical world and the restoration in that we we've missed some fundamentals here of being born again. And like you say, there's a change. There's also a judgment and, and the judgment in the end, you know, we've confused that our, our works are somehow going to be the thing that gets us to this final state. It's not that the works could do anything. The works only become evidence that there was change. Just like you're saying, you know, this clip mm-hmm. from Todd drill that there's gotta be evidence of change. And, and so when, when this change happens, it's got to be because your heart and your foundation and your purpose of life change. That's, that's this will of man that's got to be put to, to put aside so that God's will can become foremost in our life. And without that, then we're fighting against the change and we're lying to ourselves and we're lying to the world and, and there's no evidence. So I think ultimately judgment becomes this evidence. Did a change occur? Right, right. now I'm, <clears throat> I'm still examining some of the uh, philosophies that are out there. Of course, we want to approach this with the fullness of the gospel, with the uh, added testimony that we have of Jesus, as found in the Book of Mormon, in our other scriptures, and the inspired version. So what um, what he's going to show here, he's going to bring in another minister, and I really, I really like this guy. His name's Steve Lawson. I bought his book this week. Um, the books, uh, I'll tell you the title later. I'll put a link in the show notes. And, and guys, just a reminder, no matter what you're listening on, there's a way to go to show notes for every episode. You could just click on links. We'll make them real handy for you. You know, we, we'll put in some scriptures there about being born again in the Book of Mormon, and you can just click on them and read them. But um, here's Stephen Lawson, and he asked him, how will you awaken a dead and unregenerate church? And let's just... Uh, Let's listen in here and just see what he says here, just for a few seconds. I was asked at my table, you know, what would I preach uh, to bring church members to Christ? Um, And and that's and I said the last thing I would preach would be John three sixteen. That that just lulls everyone in the building to sleep. Um, I, I would preach the lordship of Christ. I would preach repentance. Um, I would preach the new birth. I would preach the necessary evidence of the new birth. Um, I would preach the sovereignty of God and salvation to the extent that I could push that. I would do everything that I could to blow a trumpet in Zion and to awaken those who are asleep. Okay, so... I love what he starts out with, how to bring church members to Christ. Corey, yeah, yeah. anything relative to us today yeah. in that statement? What do you think? The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. We, um, I go back to uh, lovely Mary Sue Kennan when she was here and I asked her about the gospel and how things have changed in the church over the years and was so touched by her response. She says, I think we focus too much on the church and not enough on Jesus. You know, I was, I just wanted to add this. It was, it's so relevant because last night I, my son and I were home and, um, we decided to go get some barbecue at this tiny little barbecue restaurant in town and up comes a guy I haven't seen for years, uh, you know, a member of the church. And I, I appreciate this. People, people say this from now and now and then they say, you know, it's good to see. You. I just need to tell you that I've, I really enjoyed restored gospel, but you know, I want to tell you one thing. And this is what he said. He said, 
I think we've been emphasizing the wrong thing for a long time. We've always made it about the church. And isn't it really about Jesus and our change of heart? You know, he's asking me this and I'm like, oh my gosh, Mike and I, you know, and he knew about the podcast and everything, but I said, Mike and I have been talking about this and that's just been on our hearts. And there's a lot of people coming to the same conclusion now. And so yeah. you were talking about Mary, Mary Sue. Yeah. And I, I spent, um, you know, last Sunday afternoon, I got a text out of nowhere from a friend that I used to go to church with uh, a number of years ago drove up an hour away to where he lives and spent the day with his family. And just to have him open up his, his three in one that he's had since he's been in the military and has read the gospel and, and showing me all of the scriptures he wrote down about, you know, having a changed heart and Jesus and the nature of God. And we talked a little bit about eternal life and he's, he's just humble and and simple in his understanding. He says, you know, I just see the scriptures say you're either in or you're out. Mm -hmm. And that was very touching to me, uh, you know, because people are coming to read the word and realize it's about having a changed heart and having Jesus either saves you or you reject him. There is no middle ground, but we're going, <laughs> I got to be careful not to get off topic. So this guy says something that almost would sound blasphemous at first. He says, I wouldn't preach John three sixteen because and, and, that and, lulls people to sleep. And know? why do you think he says that? For God to love the world, he gave his only begotten son, whoever believes it, because whoever believes on him shall have everlasting life. Mm -hmm. You know, to paraphrase, because um well there's churches out there now, Corey. Uh I'm gonna mention one, Hillsong, um, Bethel music, Hillsong music. Uh, my son just went to the Sprint Center and heard uh Winter Jam or Gospel Jam. And one of the groups there was the Hillsong Youth. And I didn't understand all of this at the time, but I've been looking into it because there is a huge fragmentation in the mainstream Christian world right now. Mm -hmm. um, just this past couple weeks, I saw someone put on Facebook, uh, what ministers do you listen to? You know, what other uh, sources of, of uh, information out there do you enjoy? And I didn't know a lot of the names, some of the names I did know, but I will tell you there was a couple that I have seen because doing some research that are involved with Hillsong and um, Bethel Music and uh, crazy enough, right here in Kansas City, known worldwide is IHOP, International House of Prayer. I've actually spent some time there uh, in between doing nursing visits because they have a huge place to study and a little coffee shop. I've spent some time there where people go to school, but they if people that don't know what that is, this started way back in the 90s. They have prayer and worship music going 24-7. People come. I've, I've been in the homes of parents who have left other parts of the country because when I get there, I see their phone number has a different area code. And I just, you know, conversation say, oh, well, what brings you here? Or where, where's this phone from? Oh, we moved here to uh, be close to the International House of Prayer to be a part of IHOP. Mm -hmm. And this has been more than once. I've had families, you know, that are part of that. And that's why they've come, young people. People are flocking to this. Well, if you research this, you can go on YouTube and put in IHOP, you know, you know anything devil or bad and this guy, I think is Mike Bickle or Mike Brown. I get all the names mixed up, but you'll find out the leader. This is some of the most. King Noah. <laughs> King. <laughs> Thanks for keeping me humble, Corey. <laughs> I think it was King Noah. That, uh, so uh, my, anyway, they bring up, uh, you know, they're, they're teaching these people the spirit, the supernatural uh, communication with God, teaching them to laugh in the spirit and have spiritual jerks and things like that. And what's sad is. People like Francis Chan, who I've always uh, admired and have, have really uh, been encouraged by things he's written, 
by his lifestyle. But now, you know, he's moving into, uh, he came to the IHOP and he, you know, he, he's gone out and said, I love the pastor and I love what they're doing here and the worship. Well, Corey, that's, it's demonic. Yeah. So, well, then you wonder like these other people that are, that we look up to, that we like to listen to, where's their spiritual discernment? Where's their heart at? If they're saying that this is of God, then you have to be careful to not start believing just, you know, false doctrine isn't clear to the left or clear to the right. It's just yeah. a little bit off center and it takes you down a path that you're just in trouble for. You know, that's a, that's a good point. And I, I'll mention this without sharing any details that uh, I think we got an episode that will never air where we kind of talked about this and then we mm-hmm. decided our, our conversation, it wasn't that it got dark or anything, but we just realized um, just, just to preface all this, I mean, if, if someone's listening and doesn't know what we're talking about, you can go on YouTube. Uh, you don't have to, you can just take our word for it and just search, you know, like IHOP and demonic. And you're going to see videos that are taken live there of people who are doing really unnatural things and it's not edifying. It's not uh, spiritual. And, and I'll just kind of leave it at that, but they've, they've tied this into, things that, you know, you find in uh, certain Eastern religions and, and, and it's just, it's spooky. Um, I'll leave it at that. But so where Mike and I are going with this is just kind of a 30,000 foot view, not getting into the details, but it's unfortunate because like even, even Hillsong, you know, known for some really, really great music and stuff over the years, but the, the leadership has changed and evolved into people who are, who are getting into some things that are not, um, they're not Christ centered doctrine, not, not spiritually edifying yeah no and nothing they're leaving out uh, the whole gospel of repentance right. and being changed in the inner yeah. man yeah and, and so yeah yeah i was just saying it's it's taking youth in a in a dark place and i i won't say anything more than that but the what you're what you're pointing out is the fact that all these doctrines take us away from this change of heart that leads to good and and it's replacing it with things of the spirit and or things not of the spirit things things that satan wants us to be deceived by you know there's a real prevalent oh uh, it's just this underlying message that and i've i've been part of a lot of evangelical worship where i feel like the intent really is there for for worship you know but but yet there's also mixed in it all this thing that it's all about me and my brokenness and it's all about me and my my whatever and, and the focus sometimes it sounds like it's about christ off here but then it kind of turns it to me inward and it's it's not about the change it's just like hey you came to christ and and now it's just like you know it's like almost like the rest of my life doesn't even matter now i just now that i said i'm saved that's it but but this is the false doctrine. This is the thing that is deceiving a lot of people that, hey, all you have to do is say you, you believe in Jesus and now there's nothing else that has to happen. Right. And that's so <clears throat> circling back around to John 316, uh, this minister says, you know, well, I would not preach that. That laws them to sleep. Not that he would never bring that scripture out, but, but that's the battle cry and it stops right there for a lot of Christians. And so what I'm saying is, you know, Francis Chan went 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 on uh, record as you know loving this pastor of of uh, IHOP and the way they're worshiping, and so you see in the evangelical world there's problems as well because um, I'm not here to bash anybody, and and I've been deceived at times in my life, probably am now in ways I don't even realize. So I'm not putting them down, but I do want our saints to be aware that. Very subtle doctrine is slipping in, and even in their amongst their own, we'd say in their own house, in their own home, mm-hmm. as far as the evangelical world, they are waking up to seeing this, and there are people now calling out and saying, "Hey, 
Something needs to take place. There needs to be a change. And if that's not happening, this is not of God. Mm -hmm. So getting back to Stephen Lawson. So I read, you know, what's funny, Corey, uh, at different times I've heard our ministers preach, you know, and then I'll be reading some Arthur Oakman books and I'll be like, well, that wasn't their idea. That was Arthur Oakman. He he came up with this uh, years ago. But then I remember uh, one day I was reading some old uh, Christian authors like C.S. Lewis and around that generation over in England. And I was reading some things. I'm like, well, that was Arthur Oatman. And I was like, I realized, well, Arthur Oatman, he was reading these same people and it was helping him understand the gospel from his perspective. And so we all borrow from one another. Well, I've noticed this past week in the evangelical world um, that that goes on as well. I was reading Stephen Lawson and then I went over and I read some stuff that Billy Graham wrote about being saved. Here's the exact same uh, concept, the exact same scriptures being used and used the same way, almost word for word. So they, they do the same thing as well. But let me just, let me bring up a quote here from um, Stephen Lawson and, and, and we'll discuss this and see what you, what you think about it. I'm going to read from his book, Born of the Spirit. Um, it says, and he's quoting First uh, John 12 through 13, and this is, or sorry, John, the first chapter, the book of John, the first chapter. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Now there's a theology that starts to develop that, um, when we're born again, it's an act of God, not of us, that our will can't do that. And I agree with that to a certain extent, but we have to really be uh, not just make a man an offender for a word or not just pick on one word, but really they do use one or two words to describe a whole theology. And they get into Calvinism and things like that, which the only way out then, Corey, is to say that you are predestined by God um, that he's doing the work and you're predestined by God to have certain things happen in your life. Um, and so we'll talk about that. But it says, in these verses, we're first introduced to the analogy of being born of God. And that's not, we believe in that too, right? Born of the Spirit. We talked about uh, some examples in the Book of Mormon. Um, this is not the earliest mention in Scripture of this spiritual reality. So I always like to find out the first time that we hear about this new birth, this new thing. He says, throughout the Old Testament, the new birth is represented by other metaphors, such as heart circumcision, clear back in Deuteronomy, or a heart transplant in Ezekiel, um, spiritual resurrection. Nevertheless, John is the first mention of the new birth. Many other passages in the New Testament also use this metaphor, and he lists a few, uh, all of them in John. Being born again means that God implants divine life within our spiritually dead heart. Do you agree with that statement? God imparts divine life within our spiritually dead heart. I would agree with that statement. Now, how that happens, I don't know. Um, we'll discuss that because that's the key to me, but it's... If we're told, Corey, our, our body is carnal, sensual, and devilish, and that our fleshly body is, is an enemy to God. Mm-hmm. So being born again means being born of the Spirit. That has to come from God. Now, whether God initiates that with uh, minimal action on our part or whether he initiates that after 
a lifetime of suffering and walking through the mists of darkness so that he can bring about that fertile soil so that he can initiate it? I don't know. But I think this is important because this is where I look at my own life and say, have, has this happened? And if not, why? Yeah. And so historically, I want to put something in context because uh, the, the person you're quoting from says, hey, John, this is the first place we get this. Um, historically, that that's not true uh, for a couple of reasons, because one, Adam is told, and through the inspired version, well, he we says get this. the New Testament. Yeah, in the New Testament, right. This is where it's first recorded. But the first man is told, hey, your heart has to change. You know, that's that. And, it, and it's interesting because the, the writers in the Book of Mormon, they're the one who expand on this as well. You know, King Benjamin and, and um, all these people who have this change of heart and talk about it. It's all before Jesus comes. Yeah, and that's... Again, the purpose of the fullness of the gospel, plain and precious truths being removed. Right? Amen. Exactly. So so just to set it straight, you know, there's this notion out there that none of this happened until the New Testament, but the prophets, all of Israel understood this as well. One other thing that I want to point out, um, and I don't want to get sidetracked on this, but I've been reading a lot about the ancient oh, text that uh, it's exactly as Nephi states where the, the people spoke in a different language. The language of the day was Aramaic. And, and um, when they wrote, they wrote in an Egyptian script exactly until the time of the Babylonian captivity. That's when uh, Lehi and his family leave. That's why Nephi writes in first Nephi one chapter one, verse one, he says, Hey, I'm writing this in the language of the Egyptians with the learning of the Hebrews. Well, the reason I'm sharing this is because they used to write, um, words in uh, in a language that once they're translated, they get to the point where the heart of the translator and the culture of the translator impact how they, they change the words. But he said the, the words had much different meaning because of the culture they were in. And, and the, a book I'm reading right now talks about how concepts of salvation and faith and repentance, he said they were all through the Old Testament. He said part of it, it's simply lost in the way we translate the words anymore. And and there's this notion in the modern Christian world that ideas like faith and repentance also didn't come about until the New Testament, but they were there in the beginning. And these people point out, no, these these words meant faith and repentance. They just weren't translated right. that way they, by, the, by the people who were translating from the Aramaic and the Hebrew and all this. So, Well, certainly the Book of Mormon, as we've pointed out before, it, we're, we're, we're hearing from a group of people who were the more righteous, the ones that were led away by God to raise up a righteous people. And, uh, and perhaps even, well, we know it's a much more clearly um, presented to us. There's no doubt that, mm-hmm. that this born again stuff was going on before before even Christ uh, came. Um, but continuing on in this this line, of, the, he gets to a point that we've actually talked about. We named an episode of this, you know, called Our Work or God's Work. And, and what do we need to do and what does God do? He says it's a life-giving act of God. He causes us to be birthed into his family. It means by a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit that we are dramatically transformed in the core of our being. Now I agree that has to happen, but how? Well, so, so one of the, so the how, I mean, okay, go ahead. Well, I was also going to say is, you know, when we talk about being baptized by water and, and then there's baptism of the spirit, it's that spirit. That's why we lay hands on to bestow the Holy ghost. Now it can come by other means. I mean, historically it has, it, it came to the Lamanites without any hands laid on their head in that prison when the fire came down and, and God's spirit was present. But, it's that moment when the seed is planted. Now it's up to us, I think, 
to let our will either say, I, I want to submit to the will of God and let that grow, or I don't want to. But I, but I believe that's, you know, historically why we give the Holy Ghost for the, for the seed. No, no, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Or is there more, more about that? Yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that, but. But what makes it if happen? It was, if it was perfect, so if hands were laid on the head, and and most of the time it's eight year olds, and they've yet to experience a lot in life. But let's just say by the time all of us are twenty and well grounded and right and wrong, and we've had a, t- a chance to understand scriptures, I picture I this is the, the ideal the ideal standard. I picture a bunch of people who are speaking with the tongues of angels who are completely transformed inside as far as I am willing to give up all my sin to know God. Mm -hmm. And I do know him because of that. And there's the fruits of the spirit in their life. You know, there, you know, there's healings among the, the congregations of God and, and um, you know, there's righteousness and there's prophetic word being uttered uh, by the Spirit. All of these things that we see in different points in time are present. So I'm looking at the ideal situation. Yeah. Because you never know, like, are we just living below the bar or was that just for certain points in time? I think that's dangerous to say that. But so you're saying so that, hey, should we be seeing an instant transformation well, yeah, versus yeah. a gradual? And so, uh, go ahead. Well, I'm just going to – let me read on, and then we'll, let me finish with this guy, and then we'll, we'll, we'll just dissect it. He says, when we are born anew, we are made alive to God in the new birth. God gives us new life that only he can give. Remarkably, and this is where he says something that I've been asking, there are two sides of this one entrance into the kingdom of God. On one side is the person's activity – the other side involves God's activity. And I'm like, exactly. That's what I'm saying. So what is what yeah. is the difference? Um, he goes on to talk about belief. I won't read it all, but he breaks it down. And at the end, he says, uh, belief involves surrendering our life to him as our Lord and submitting to his supreme authority. So that means giving up our will. That's, that's yes. scripture. <clears throat> Book of Mormon especially talks about that. Yes. And, and he says it right here. It necessitates denying ourselves and following him. Anyone who becomes a child of God does so by believing in Jesus Christ. So we would say baptism as well as belief, but what he's saying is, and and this is funny because they poo-poo the sinner's prayer, but really the sinner's prayer in essence is doing this, but he's talking about instead of saying a sinner's prayer, what you have to do is in your mind, you have to choose to believe in Jesus Christ. That's that's basically all I can break it down to. You have to choose to believe, and, then, and by doing that, you submit your will to God. And I'm saying, yes, that, that's obvious, but that, to me, doesn't happen in my mind, although it seems like for some of these people in the Scriptures, it does happen at one point in time very powerfully. And he would say that for every believer, when you're truly born again, this is what needs to happen. Now, that's a huge that's a huge understanding because— I won't read it, but in the beginning of his book, he talks about being a young boy and walking out under the stars, and he'd just been to this church conference, and and the minister told him to take some time and just examine their life and go off and be quiet. And at that moment, he realized that God was his supreme being, and he was giving his life to him, and that's when he was born again, just like that. I don't want to doubt that experience. That's his understanding of it. And if he's led a life, well, he gets into... um, 
we don't talk about this a lot, but there's some pretty hard things in the book of John that describe the life of a believer. And I want to go through some of those things. You know, um, I, I was just going to say, I, I think what you just said, though, is it's got to be a, a part of every person's walk because this is the one, one of the reasons why children aren't baptized. It's because you have to be at a point of consciousness of your life where you say, no, I know I have my will, but I want to choose your will, God. And, you know, a, a young child or an infant can't do that. And and this is what it, the part of the change is, is when we recognize our will versus God's and make that conscious decision. So there's got to be a moment in time when everyone decides that, you know, when you, when you give into this, that it's God's way is the only way. That's the discovery everyone has to make, and it you know baptism you know follows that uh, the covenant. One of the things though, just regarding the the powerful change, or is it a lifelong process? I think it's both, and why it's different for different people, I I don't know. But one type and shadow comes from the Old Testament Exodus story, and we've talked about this in other podcasts, and I won't go into the details. But you know everything that the Israelites did when they put the blood on the doorposts and that represented faith in Christ. And they, they left Pharaoh's grasp and that represented repentance. And they go through the water as it's part and that represents water baptism. Well, the next part was 50 days after the, you know, um, the atonement was this day when Moses was in the mountain and, you know, 50 days after Jesus death was this day of Pentecost in this, uh, in, in Jerusalem. Well, what happens, and the reason I share this is because when the people received the law, which was the Mosaic law, and I remember this is a type and shadow, it represented when God's spirit comes in us, and, and the law was supposed to guide them in every aspect of their life. When we receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, it's supposed to guide us, but when that seed got planted in Israel's heart by having the law, then they spent 40 more years in the wilderness and it was all the test and it was to refine them. It was to teach them to put your will aside and choose God's will. So here's these rules and here's these laws and things to live by. And in that honing process begins in us. I think when the spirit's planted, it, it would have been a different story. I suppose if the, if the seed would have been planted of the spirit and God said, okay, you guys are pure now. Let's just go back over this other little river here because the promised lands on the other side, you know, it was like, that's not how the story went. I, I feel like the normal story for us is to have the seed planted and then it begins to do the work. You know, this life 40 years in the wilderness was the work. It was, are we going to obey or are we going to disobey all the time? And so in that end of the story, when they get to the promised land, um, and there's a lot of symbolism here. Moses can't go. Joshua takes him over the water because Joshua is a type for Jesus. It's Jesus and comes, and it's by his grace, by his salvation, that if the Spirit has worked in us and changed us, we go to the promised land with him. We go to salvation. Well, so that, I, I share that because I think that's kind of the normal process. But these supernatural, I should, supernatural is not the right word, these really profound, miraculous conversions, they're just as much of the process too. But I don't know why sometimes it's instant and sudden like that or, or why for other people it's like, well, I got baptized when I was young, but I don't know if it really you know, yeah. did anything. <clears throat> well, the danger is I believe sometimes the standard is just ignored and, and, and we go as a church, as a body of people, we go through our entire life never being converted to Christ, never having the big conversion. You know, Christ said to Peter, um, 
you know, he, he was telling the disciples, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm going away. And he said some other things. And Peter's stuck on this. He's like, what do you mean where you're going? We can't come. I'll follow you anywhere, Lord. And he's like, Peter, before the day's over, you're going to deny me three times. But that's okay. When you're converted, strengthen your brethren. Peter who had walked with Jesus and was this this disciple, this feisty, fiery you know, guy that was going to stand up for Jesus all the time, he wasn't converted to Christ. And that's the danger of, and that's what I believe, when we see where the church is at and we see the fruits of, <laughs> this guy says, if the, if, the fruit is bad, if the fruit is bad, the root is bad. Mm-hmm. And um, our fruit is bad as a church. We're, um, so we have to look. So we could say it's a lifelong process. The difference, the danger in that, though, is like um, Mary Sue said, as we go about focusing on the church and we don't focus on Jesus, the danger is going through your life and doing all of these certain things, these certain acts like the Mosaic Law. We've made our own Mosaic Law, you know, be baptized by authority, you know, go to church on Sunday, go to church on Wednesday, you know, be in the priesthood, preach, you know, teach classes, blah, 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 lead the women's group. All of these things we do to look righteous and feel righteous and never having known him. And, and we know there's going to be groups of people that come to Christ in the end, and, and, and they present their case before him. Lord, you saw what I did. Look at all these things. He says, you never knew me. Mm-hmm. And that's, what I, that's the purpose of this discussion is to examine our lives. Have we been born again? Do we know Christ? But we're going to have to, we're going to, have to stop here and start part two because I want to get into John and see some of these things that, and we'll just ask ourselves, are these present in our life as a new believer um, and see the difference in the inspired version uh, versus the philo- the philosophy of some of the mainstream Christianity? Yeah, too bad we're running out of time. And if there's some way I could keep your finger off that exit music, I'd do it right now. Because, you know, I don't want to leave our, our uh, listeners hanging in that there is some profound uh, information given in the Book of Mormon. I think that and it was just really a discovery to me this week thinking, man, I think I've missed this my whole life too. But um, we'll save it for next time because there there's answers to this. We're not just trying to raise questions and leave people wondering and scratching our head and going going away. I think I think we we have some hope and truth here to share. Yeah. So hopefully we'll we'll keep we'll divide this up and um, we'll remind you on the next episode if you haven't listened to this one to come back and listen to it first and you can you can listen to them both together but we want to um, keep our minds fresh so until next time Corey what are we doing here <laughs> just walk each other home guys that's right until next time God bless you